We're going inside them. We're going outside them. Inside them, outside them. And if we get them on the run once, we're going to keep them on the run. And we're not going to pass unless our secondary comes up too close. Don't forget that. We're going to get them on the run. We're going to go, go, go. 
how <laughs> how some catch should have been a, an offensive pass interference. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he never disappoints. Um, what do you think, there, Joe? Yeah, there's there's always no love lost between the Irish and Pat Narduzzi. Um, he's a very, I would say, bitter coach, or his outlook kind of on college football landscape has been uh, quite negative. I know he was pretty sorrow regarding the Jordan Addison leaving to USC and the tampering that went behind that. And I know he had an interview back in 2022 uh, in February where he accused the Irish of even tampering um, for Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, he mentioned that again in, back in February 2022 um, as an example of tampering going on. And, you know, guys are, you know, basically other universities trying to pluck his players. Um, you know, he's always taking shots and, and trying to find excuses why, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's not, you know, the, the Pittsburgh of the past. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, you, you kind of, you know, dig your own grave. And uh, obviously Pittsburgh's not had, you know, the year that they expected in the ACC. You know, being where they're at, they're currently 12th in the ACC in rankings. Um, almost dead last. Syracuse is dead last right now in the ACC. So, you know, with Pat Narduzzi, he can, you know, say all he wants, but at the end of the day, I don't think his his words weigh a lot on, on the Irish. Yeah, I'm with you, man. He He's one of those guys that he, he's always complaining that the ACC uh, has this deal with Notre Dame. Uh, he, he's always complaining about something, and it just it reeks of jealousy uh, to me. Uh, the dude is one of the most unlikable coaches in college football. I, whenever I watch a pit game, I, they show him on the sidelines and, and in his press conferences. And I'm just like, dude, I don't know why anybody would want to play for this guy. Man. <laughs> I, mean, I, I know he knows his X's and O's and all that. And he's had some success as a coach, but just brutal, man. I, no. I, I really, part, part of me kind of hopes that the Irish really lay it on him this weekend. Same here, Nick. Same here. And I like how you just said jealousy. You know, one of my biggest, you know, things is jealousy speaks the loudest. So uh, yeah. I think he, he's definitely uh, envious of, you know, maybe Jordan Addison's situation that he was able to, you know, go get the bag and, and go to USC. Uh, envious of our situation, maybe with Sam Hartman. Um, obviously, I don't know the, the facts behind the Kenny Pickett thing, but uh, those are words he put out in the world. And you know, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, how are you executing on the field? And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see how the Irish take it to them because they're, there's another foe that's also in a Pittsburgh uniform that the Irish will be, you know, obviously familiar with. Unfortunately, Phil Dracovic is not playing. But, um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, when that news broke of the transfer portal, I think a lot of Notre Dame fans had it circled, not just for Pat Narduzzi, but also for Phil Dracovic being in that uniform. No doubt, man. I, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> bummed that that Phil's not the quarterback because, I mean, I, I don't have anything against the guy, but I mean, you know, he he's had some weird takes on on Notre Dame and uh, some of the 100%. coaches, his past coaches, and just some kind of odd takes. You know, talk when he was at Boston College talking about the shipping up to Boston song. <laughs> I don't know, just, just an odd dude. And uh, I, I kind of wish he was coming in as quarterback so we could, I don't know. Oh, take and, care of that a little bit. And Nick, I'm, I'm totally with you on this. Like that's what college football is about. It's about the drama, you know, the storylines and man, I really wish Phil was dressing. And it's nothing against Phil. 
I think he's kind of put on this this villainous cloak, you know, um, yeah. against the Irish. So he's kind of done that himself. I don't think he would, um, you know, shy away from that. That he knows that he's he's thrown some public shots at Notre Dame's way. So obviously Notre Dame fans are are going to you know defend their team, and you know obviously Phil's going to defend how things went down. Which again, I've talked about this before. You know, I don't know how that whole situation went down. There's probably um, some things that Notre Dame didn't do to the best of their ability in that situation with, you know, Phil's timeline and starting and promises, et cetera. But at the end of the day, everyone has to move on. And it seems like, you know, anytime Phil had a chance to get, uh, you know, a stage where, where he could take a shot at Notre Dame, even when Brian Kelly was out of here, uh, Tommy Reese was out of here. Um, or actually Tommy Reese was still with us, but Brian Kelly was gone. Um, you know, he, he took that opportunity to take his shot. So, you know, when you're up there, uh, putting yourself out there as, as kind of that villain figure against, uh, your alma or not your alma mater, but your past school, you know, I, I love that storyline. It's, that's what, you know, we love about college football. I'm with you, man. I, you talk about a lot of storylines for this weekend. And, yeah. And you got Pat Narduzzi, one of, one of the biggest Notre Dame haters of all time. Uh, Phil Dracovic just out here spewing nonsense about the Irish. And and then on top of that, we got two other guys who are, are former Notre Dame players. And, you know, they haven't really bad-mouthed the Irish. And, and you know, I, I obviously wish nothing but the best for them. Uh, the first one's Sebo Flemister. Uh, he's their starting running back. Um, he played for the Irish for, I want to say two, maybe three years, uh, and had, had some solid games. Um, so I'm happy to see it, that he's kind of found, a found a home, um, there with, with, with Narduzzi. Um, so we'll be seeing him, um, uh, in South Bend on Saturday. Um, do you have his stats pulled up, Joe? Yeah. So, you know, Sebo's had one heck of a year so far. Um, he's the leading rusher for Pittsburgh. And again, we've talked about this before, Nick, right? I, I will never, you know, talk negatively about, you know, a student athlete that goes to another situation that's maybe better for him. You know, I'm going to root for the Jamie on Franklin's. I'm going to root for, you know, the Jacob Lacey's. Do I wish they were still in the blue and gold? Heck yes. Um, but you know, sometimes, you know, they have to make best decisions for themselves. And I totally get that. And, you know, this NIL, uh, transfer portal stage, you know, the, you only have so much time playing uh, college football. Um, but yeah, to kind of go off Zebo, he is the leading rusher for Pittsburgh. So it will be a familiar face uh, that Irish fans will recognize on Saturday. He is total of 68 carries for 282 yards. Uh, he is a, a long carry or his longest carry has been 38 yards, but averaging 4.1 yards per carry and two touchdowns. So he, he'll get majority of, of the carries uh, for, for Pittsburgh, uh, on, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, man, w- wish him nothing but the best, except for this, this Saturday. Hope <laughs> shut him down. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then the, the final, uh, former Notre Dame players, uh, Shane Simon, he's their starting linebacker, one of their starting linebackers. And, uh, he's had a pretty good, uh, pretty good year so far. Um, wh- where's his stats at there, Joe? Yeah, so Shane Simon is tied in fourth for total tackles on their defense. Uh, he has a total of 27 tackles, 13 of them being solo, 14 of them assisted, uh, having a really solid year. 
Uh, he's actually leading the team in sacks. So he actually has three sacks on the year that leads the team. Um, wow. His sack yards are 23 yards. Uh, so he's definitely kind of, uh, it seems, the havoc uh, playmaker on their defense and, you know, being quite effective uh, in their defensive scheme. So Shane's having a great year. I love seeing that for him. But again, I hope Sam Dartman, uh, Dartman, Hartman, Dartman, however you want to say, um, you know. Hey, you can call him Sam Dartman. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I think he's just starting to become habit at this point. But yeah, yeah. I, I hope the offense, you know, obviously carve up this this defense. And, you know, obviously love seeing Shane have a huge role. Um, I believe this is his final season of eligibility. Um, so, obviously very happy for him. But when it comes to the Irish, I want them executing on, on the offensive side. No doubt. No doubt. I uh... – he, he was one of those players that I was kind of bummed that, that it didn't work out for at Notre Dame. I always, I really liked him when he got on the field for the Irish and coming out of high school. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, l- let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of our keys to, to victory, and then we can even jump into our predictions here for this game. Um, you know, it's an offense that's, as far as Pittsburgh, it's an offense that's struggled and, you know, coming in, meeting a Notre Dame defense that's really hitting its stride right now. Uh, so I have a feeling that points are going to be tough to come by um, for, for Pitt. Um, and then on the flip side, I, I'm excited to see, you know, what adjustments and what changes uh, have been made for the offense for Notre Dame. You know, uh, w- with a bye week, um, a chance to get healthy, especially for the wide receiver room. I think Jaden Thomas and, and Jaden Greathouse are both cleared, ready to go. Um, so I, I, I'm excited to see, uh, mainly to see what what uh, the offense looks like. What do you think, Joe? I'm, I'm totally with you, Nick. I, you know, the defense is playing at such a high level where, you know, I, I'm kind of making that the expectation, right? I, I want them to consistently play at that level yeah. uh, that, they, that they brought for USC. And, you know, what a time for them to go into the bye week to – you know, look at the film and uh, say, this is our potential, right? We should be bringing this every Saturday. Um, and it feels like they're, they're starting to get a good feel of their personnel, right, on the defensive side of the ball. I'm excited. I think they're going to even be a little bit maybe even more flexible with some other guys like Bubakar Treor to maybe get some more run. Um, and it was a great time for our defense to get a little bit healthier, right? Uh, Gabriel Rubio, I think that's a huge time for him to, you know, obviously have some rest. Huge. And, uh, you know, obviously he's been battling injuries, you know, feels like since the start of the season. Um, yeah. But, you know, Riley Mills has taken a lot of snaps, you know, Howard Cross. So defensive side of the ball, I'm, I'm getting into it too much, but, you know, I, I feel very solid where they're at. It's an opportunity for the offense to obviously have a game where they had a week to prepare against an opponent and it's time to execute right to – their fullest potential. Defense brought it, you know, versus USC. What can this offense do? And I think this is a huge opportunity for Jared Parker, right? Um, yes. This this is kind of a, a Jared Parker, I want to say like prove it game. I, I think you can almost analyze every game where there was some part of the offense that wasn't to its fullest potential. We haven't brought our A game uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And, hey, you were able to kind of reflect on the first – um, you know, half of the season, it's really over a half of the season. Um, yeah. Where, where can you improve? Let's make sure we're doing things that we can do well. What are the things we can do well? Um, and hopefully there was maybe some, even some creativity where they can add some stuff to the playbook. So I hope the offense, you know, 
and Jared Parker especially had some fun and really honing in on what, what they want to do moving forward in this season. And this is the first test against Pittsburgh at home. I think it's a great opportunity for the offense. Yeah, I, th- I think you bring up a really good point. It's, it's kind of a, a second chance at, at life for, for Parker. Yes. I mean, r- right now, the, the entire fan base wants any excuse to, to harp on him and get on him. Um, so this will be a big week for him. I, you know, I want to see, uh, Marcus Freeman confirm that he's sticking with, uh, the, the five starters up front, Mm -hmm. which I think move, um, of course, um, you know, guys are getting a little bit healthier. Uh, so, you know, I, I want to see an emphasis on the run game. Now, obviously Pitt and and Pat Narduzzi are are a defensive minded group, so they're going to, I, I have a feeling they're going to try to anything they can to take away the running game um, and make Sam beat him with his arm. But uh, I, I want to see, I want to see some Jadarian price in this game. I, you know, I, as much as I love Jeremiah love uh, and Audric Estime, I, I think price showed what he can do mm-hmm. not only early in the season, but with that, with that kickoff return against SC. So I'd like to see those three running backs really get an emphasis in this game. And then, of course, the pass game. We have a little bit of news, actually. Uh, with the depth chart, uh, Rico Flores has jumped Tobias Merriweather on the depth chart. So I think we'll see a lot more him. And, and I think it was time for that that switch. What do you think about that, Joe? Agreed. I, you know, Rico Flores has obviously dominated – or not dominate, but I – it's pretty obvious to Notre Dame fans that, you know, he was seen by the coaching staff or, um, you know, Stucky that, you know, he was kind of separating himself from Tobias. He was having more snap counts. And obviously since, you know, great house went down, I I've been really impressed with Rico. Obviously there's things that you can dissect from his game and, you know, he just, you know, like I said, inexperienced, but his talent is there, man. And he just needs to keep getting reps and opportunities and he flat out earned it. I'm all about guys earning their opportunities no and earning doubt. their spots. And unfortunately, from what we've seen on the field, Tobias hasn't stepped up to that level. Even when the wide receiver room shrunk due to injuries, it was a time for him to kind of rise up. And fortunately, we didn't see that. We had we saw drop passes. We didn't see a sense of urgency to, you know, get to the ball on, on deep throws. And eventually, there, there's got to be consequences to that because – there's another guy on the field that, you know, was was showing those things to the coaching staff and making the most of his opportunity. So hats off to Rico. Well-deserved, young man. Yeah, I, I think that's very well said. I, it's like you mentioned. You know, it's not like uh, Rico hasn't been playing and all of a sudden they're just throwing him in there. He's earned it. I mean, he he's played very well. For a true freshman, um, he's outplayed Tobias Merriweather. So, honestly, I'm – a little bit surprised it's taken this long for the jump mm-hmm. uh, on the depth chart, but yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a good move, and uh, hopefully it'll motivate Tobias a little bit. Um, but uh, we have some some recruits coming into town uh, for the game, and we also had a commitment uh, since our last podcast. James Flanagan, uh, son of Jim Flanagan, uh, tied in. How, how you feeling about uh, Mr. Flanagan there? Very excited, very excited about uh, Flanagan. Uh, he has he's rated the number three tight end in his class. So obviously an elite level 
um, according to 247 Sports, right? Um, you know, an elite level for the tight end position. He has, you know, great, uh, I would say, size. Um, th this guy has all the, the tools to be an outstanding and, and, again, being part of this tight end U, um, I would say, collection that Notre Dame has been able to be a part of uh, over the last decade. So I, I think he fits the mold. He's an elite talent, and I'm glad that, you know, I love seeing guys that are kind of legacy, um, you know, a part of the Notre Dame legacy with, you know, dads that, that played at Notre Dame um, to also be part of the Irish. That's what, you know, Notre Dame is, is very proud of, right? And, you know, getting people from, you know, the same family trees is, is always a positive, and I hope Jerome Bettis uh, follows suits with, with his son as well. Yeah, man. No, I, I, I think that's uh, well said. And I'm, I'm excited about this guy. I, I know people, Notre Dame fans, were, you know, bummed out about losing Nate Roberts, but man, I, I feel like Flanagan is one of those kids that you know he's still growing. He's still kind of coming into his own uh, as a tight end, and um, I, I just think the, <laughs> the ceiling is very high for this kid. I, I really like his, his film. I, I like his game and. I like the fact that he's got bloodlines that, you know, his dad played in the NFL for, I think, like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and was a stud. So, I mean, you know, I, I think it's a big pickup. And uh, I think we'll look back on this down the road. And the the fact that we got this guy instead of Nate Roberts, I, I think will be a blessing in the end. Um, some other recruits come to town uh, this weekend. Uh, Derek Meadows, man, he he's right after Talon Taylor, man. He's he's my second guy at the wide receiver position that I'd really like to see uh, in a gold helmet, man. He's big dude. I want to say he's like six four, six five, mm -hmm. and uh, he clocked in like a four five forty uh, when he came up for Irish Invasion, and just just a long, uh, athletic dude that can go up and get the football. Uh, really hope. Really hope he has a good time this weekend. Um, Ivan Taylor, son of uh, Ike Taylor, he'll be in town for his first visit to Notre Dame. Great safety cornerback, man. If we could somehow land this dude, uh, that would be a big win for uh, O'Leary and, and Mickens. Uh, I guess, you know, they can fight over what position he plays. <laughs> uh, third one is Damian Shanklin. Uh, he's an edge rusher out of Indianapolis. This one's important, man, to me. Um, you know, he's not ranked overly, like, incredibly high. But to me, <laughs> Indiana's not a football state. So when you have guys in Indiana that are good, you, you got to keep them in state. I mean, that, that's what a lot of the other big state schools do. So got to wrap him up. And then the last one's Matai Tagoa. Yes. Um he'll be coming to town as well. Also a safety. So any thoughts on uh, some of those guys coming to town, Joe? Yeah, I, I love, um, you know, what you said uh, about every single one of these guys, like Damien for guys that, you know, could potentially be big time hits in the state of Indiana. Notre Dame needs to go out and get right. Those are guys that we, we shouldn't let leave the state of Indiana. Um, we need to, you know, make our pipelines and, um, you know, when you see that kind of talent, those are those should be easy gets for for Al Washington or you know whoever the the yep. coaching uh, you know staff sees in the state. Um, love getting you know local guys. I think those are always good. 
obviously how you kind of mentioned with Flanagan, I, I love guys that have good genes from, from their fathers. Um, I think it worked out with Joe Alt. Obviously his dad was a long time pro, um, you know, so if we could kind of continue that tradition, because again, all high school kids, one thing that people, it's not like you're trying to get, um, you know, the guys that will walk in the door and just already look like, um, you know, they could play college football. A lot of the times is you're projecting, right? What, what will they be when they hit a college football yeah. weight room? And those guys seem to jump the guys that, you know, maybe had the growth spurt early or, you know, got the strength earlier than, than other dudes. Um, and then they end up passing them by the time that they're sophomores, juniors, or, or seniors in college. So I love getting guys that have, you know, potential high ceilings because if you hit on them, it could be massive for your program and that unit that they're on. But one thing I wanted to hit on, Nick, and I think this is something that I love seeing from Chancey Stuckey, is he is going after dudes in the wide receiver room that have come from big-time programs. I love that Derek Meadows comes from Bishop Gorman. And I know when I say that name, a lot of Irish fans are going to recognize that name. And I think that's why Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores, they came from big-time football programs as well. You know, obviously Greathouse from Westlake, he played a lot of high-quality football in the state of Texas. And that's you know, only speeds up the process for him to be ready to be on the field at a quicker pace when he hits, uh, when he gets into a Notre Dame uniform and arrives on Notre Dame's campus. I just think that's a huge thing to find in, in wide receivers that, you know, have played against big time competition. So seeing that, you know, Derek Meadows has, has played at Bishop Gorman, um, you know, nationally rated the 71st best player, according to 247, ninth best wide receiver in the country. That would be a huge home run hit for Notre Dame to continue this wide receiver room that they're rebuilding. I think that's a, that's a very good point. Um, you know, like you mentioned, great house and, and Rico. Um, and then you have Braylon James who, uh, you know, I'm not knocking uh, the school he came from or, or, you know, his high school coaches, but uh, you know, one of the things that's holding him back, I think was a little bit of his development in high school. So I think that's a great point, man. Uh, Meadows would be a, a huge pickup. And I, I'm like you, I like that, you know, we're targeting guys that come from traditionally elite high school programs. Great point, man. Um, so now I want to jump into uh, predictions. Um, Joe, I, I'm going to let you go first. All week. right. So, I do think, and this is just, you know, I had a bye week. I've gotten all the negative thoughts out of my head. I think the offense is going to have a rebirth. And one of my, my, my mantras in my head as I, you know, as I stew on Notre Dame throughout my day and while I'm at my desk at work and daydreaming about the Irish, I, I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy the time that we have with Sam Hartman. I, I'm going to truly miss Seriously. this dude. I, I really want to enjoy the last four regular season games we have with them. So I, I think they're going to end it on a high note. I, I'm, I'm drinking all the positive Kool-Aid right now. I think that break's going to do wonders for the offense to get right um, and, and kind of get down to business, and they're going to take it out on the Pittsburgh Panthers. So with that said, my prediction is going to be 38-13 to 13 Irish. Big victory against the Pittsburgh Panthers. I like it, man. I, I like it a lot. Um and yeah, 38, 13, that's, that's, so that's definitely hitting the over. Um, so I was looking at the line, uh, before we recorded it, it opened up at Notre Dame minus 17 and a half and a lot of money must've been going towards Notre Dame's way because 
I checked it right before we were uh, began started recording, and uh, it's up to Notre Dame minus twenty and a half. So, wow. uh, I you know I hope that's a good sign. Um, I'm like you. I think I think this is a big game for for Jared Parker. I think it's it's a big game for Sam Hartman. I think Pitt has uh, some some good corners, um, and I think they're going to try to sell out, stop the run. So I do think it'll be a big day for Sam Hartman. Uh, I'm not really worried about their offense, you know, I, I mainly because of our defense and how we're playing right now. I, I think our defense will be able to control the games and control their offense, but uh, I'm like you. I, I expect a big day out of our uh, out of our offense, and I'm gonna go with uh, Notre Dame 31, Pittsburgh 14. So again, we were pretty close there. I, it seems like a lot of these weeks we've <laughs> we have been, been really close. Really close. Great minds, you know what I mean? Great yeah. Like yeah, yeah. So we'll see on that. Um, it'll be fun, man. I hope if. Uh, I hope if we have a chance to not run it up, I don't want to run it up on them, but man, rub it in Narduzzi's face a little <laughs> bit. I'd, I'd love it. So love it. All right. Uh, last thing I want to talk about here in segment one, uh, it's been kind of a hot topic because we're, we're down to four games left in the regular season. It's hard That's to believe. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of look at some of the guys that, you know, have a chance to possibly come back or, leave and go to their next step so i wanted uh to get our thoughts on, on this um and speaking of i gotta say you were right last week uh cam hart does have another year of eligibility so dude it's so it's was so wrong. hard to figure this stuff out with covid it is dude, yeah. yeah so um l- let's start with uh with howard cross man uh what do you think you think he's coming back you think he should all right Nick. uh what do you th- do you want me to speak from my heart, from my brain? <laughs> what, I mean, honestly, if it was my pick, I'd just want everyone to stay back, right? Um, of course, but, of course. Um, if I had to give a prediction on it, oh, man. I, for Howard Cross, I would have to – I hope Howard Cross has some good people around him. He's had a tremendous year, and I'm a little worried about his size for the NFL and what his evaluation is going to be. So I hope he has some good people around him. I'm, I'm sure Marcus and Al Golden, um, you know, will get him with the right people and, you know, they'll, they'll inform him and his family on kind of where NFL um, evaluations have him on the draft board. Cause I do think he's, he's going to be drafted if he did go. Um, but where does that fall? And does an extra year kind of help him? Um, so with my, I, I want to hold back. I would say whatever the draft evaluation, if you can go, Within the first three rounds, I would say go for it if they have you pretty high. But I would be shocked if that's the case. Um, and if he thinks in the NFL evaluation, say if he puts another productive year like he does this year, that he increases his chances for his draft stock to you know maybe bump up a round or two, I would want him to come back. Yeah, I think it's I think it's well said. I Howard, my son, <laughs> what one of my favorite players on the team. I. I would love to have him come back, man. I think he's a difference maker on the defense. Uh, I, I hope they're they're uh, you know hitting up the donors and uh, prepping a big NIL package for him because I, I think he, like I said, he's a difference maker and and to have a his leadership as well, I think would be huge. So, you know, I I really hope he comes back. Um, but I think if I was you know 
<laughs> if he really was my yeah. son, um, I think I would probably tell him to go ahead. Cause I, I mean, he's getting midseason all American honors, uh, you know, his, his stock, I don't know how much higher it can go. Uh, and plus the, the wear and tear on the body playing defensive tackle, you're taking hits every day. If you're going to test the NFL, you might as well do it now, but, but I really yeah. hope he comes back. Okay. Uh, next up, Maris Leifau. Well, what do you think about Maris? Well, how about this? I'm going to pair up um, the next guy too. So let's talk about the linebackers. Okay. Um, I love so that. That's a good idea. Here, here's my hot take. And for me as a fan, and here's where I'm speaking, it's really hard for guys to come back for another year, right? I think this would be, you know, Leifau's sixth year. It's hard going through it. And sometimes it's like, you know, guys, you know, they don't want to go through another Notre Dame, you know, football offseason, weight program, go through another season of, again, like you said, wear and tear, um, an absolute, you know, putting your body through, you know, absolute hell um, for another season. So I'd be interested to see what Al Golden and Marcus Freeman think about Maris Lufau. Is it time for, you know, maybe both parties? It's a good time for, Lufau, you gave it all you got this year. Really appreciate it, but, you know, we're, we're ready to move on because I, I I am excited about some linebackers we have behind these dudes, right? And yeah. it may be their time to shine. And, you know, I, that's where I kind of stand with Lufau is like having that tough discussion as, you know, Maris, we appreciate it. And if he wants to go transfer portal and maybe be a bigger impact somewhere else, I I would definitely 100% say go for it. Um, but he, he may not be a guy for me that I would hope that Notre Dame, you know, tries to recruit heavily to to stay back. On the opposite side, though, J.D. Bertrand, recruit this dude to come back because he's a dude. And, I, again, the same thing with, with Bertrand. It's another year where he's just putting his body on the line for the Irish as you want to go through that. But, man, would this guy be a difference maker for the Irish another year? He is just solid as can be. My my thoughts of J.D. Bertrand have just skyrocketed. He's played a lot of good football and a lot of meaningful snaps for the Irish, and I, I'd love to see him back. And that's someone that I would want Marcus Freeman and I'm going to sit down with, saying, "What what what would it take for you to come back?" Because for him, I, I don't know what his draft stock would be. I, I don't I don't know if he's kind of a draftable guy just due to his size. Yeah, no, I, I that's a good point, and you know I, I'm a little bit. Um, on the flip side, I I feel like Bertrand's probably accomplished all that he plans to accomplish at Notre Dame. I would love for him to come back. I don't know. I'm like you. I don't know if he's an NFL guy. Um, I, I feel like Bertrand, whatever you feel like is best for you, man. You, you've done so much for the program. You do it. Now, Leofella on the flip side, I think does need to come back. I think he's made a lot of growth this year. But I think he's still only scratching that surface. How I, much more time are you going to get this guy, Nick? Hey, man, I think he's got one more year. It could be two. Hey, hey, he's flashing. He he's certainly flashing. has. I know, I know. Um, so, I, personally, Leofau, come back, Bertrand. You do you, man. <laughs> yeah. You're the man. You do whatever you want. Um, so, uh, let's uh, also – we. It, since we're kind of grouping them in positions, uh, what about Riley Mills? Riley Mills, this is another guy where I think he kind of had a disappointing first part of the season. Um, he's definitely emerging to his own. 
but I think he's kind of like the highlighted guy that is an example or highlighted example of, Hey, you, you flash this year. You're but like you said, scratching the surface. Another year is going to do you great. Um, you know, to get some better film because the consistency hasn't been there this year. So if you're able to get this, you know, have a great end to your 2023 season, and then you just become kind of that all American that, that Howard Cross has turned into, which I believe he has the potential to, it's, it makes sense for, for Riley Mills to be a guy to come back and, and really finish off his year as maybe a potential captain, um, you know, all American, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And I, I actually agree 100% on those takes. I think he needs to come back. He, he's playing really good football right now. But like you said, it, it, it's not at the consistency yet. Like if he comes back next year and plays how he's been the past mm-hmm. few games, I mean, that dude could be a <laughs> – he could be a top uh, one to two round uh, draft yeah. pick. So, yeah, I totally – uh, let's see here. Last two on the defense, um, Watts, uh, Xavier Watts, and Cam Hart. So I'll, I'll start with Cam Hart. I, you know, this is a guy that's battled injuries, right? He's he's become a captain, and I love what you said earlier about you know Howard Cross and JD Bertrand. I mean, what more can you ask from these guys from what they've given you know um, you know to the blue and gold? Yeah. And and Cam Hart's done that. He's and with his injury past. You know, it, he's had a phenomenal year. This feels like a good year for him to take that next step into the NFL. However, on Xavier Watts' side, you know, what I see from Xavier with the absolute iconic game he had versus USC, you know, he's showing flashes of what, you know, he can be, um, you know, in the NFL level. And right now he doesn't have that national recognition. If he comes back, I think he's going to be highlighted as a dude of of one of the top defensive players, um, not just at Notre Dame, but in the country. And I think he he will really thrive uh, in that role of kind of having that national recognition and and being probably one of the most touted secondary guys to come back in the 2024 season, where he can maybe solidify himself to be you know one of the you know day one or day two draft picks. That's how a big of a ceiling I think he has. And, He's just scratching the surface. So I think another year with the Irish would do him wonders. Yeah, I, I think he got a lot of people's attention with, with that monster yeah. game he had against USC. And uh, I'm like you. Uh, I, I think you, you come back, you have a whole offseason of, you know, um, preseason hype around you uh, where you do where you are on the, the entire country's radar. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think you come back and um, – you know, maybe even be a captain, um, and man, his his stock could rise big time. Yeah, and as far as Hart, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend a lot of time. I completely echo your thoughts. Uh, dude's been battling injuries. He's had a phenomenal year. I don't know how much more he can do. Um, go go get your bag, man. Go go to the NFL, uh, and we appreciate what you've done for the Irish. Um, let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, let's start with uh, Mitchell. We'll start with uh, some of the big guys: Mitchell Evans, Joe Alt, and Blake Fisher, and Zeke. Correct. You know what I Sorry. started every single one. I'll, I'll let you take the offensive side. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. So Mitchell Evans, uh, he's another one, man. I think 
he's just kind of coming onto the scene. I think if he comes back next year, kind of like we brought up with X Watts, you know, if he has a full off season of these analysts kind of hyping him up as, as one of the better tight ends in the country, he, he's getting the attention from, from, you know, those outlets. I, I think he could be a, a serious difference maker next year. I think he's got to come back. Um, Joe Alt, no brainer. <laughs> Go yeah. pro, dude. Uh, Blake Fisher, definitely. You got to come back. Uh, he, he's been a disappointment this year. Um, yeah, I've, I've really, I, I've been very disappointed in him because I feel like he's regressed. Um, so I think he needs another year to, to uh, get a little bit better and um, hope he comes back. But, and then Zeke Carell. Uh, I'm guessing, I, I don't know, man. I don't think he's a pro. I don't think he's big enough. Um, so, you know, he, he's a great leader. Um, I, I, I love what he's done for Notre Dame. Um, but my guess is he'll probably go. So what do you think? I, I think that was, you know, I, I'm going to pretty much echo your same thoughts, you know, Mitchell Evans, you know, obviously you're, you're going against Brock Bowers this year. Who's, you know, kind of wrapped up the the tight oh, the tight end point. national recognition, um, the national spotlight. But there, it's going to be open next year. And you know, with the big time games that he had versus Ohio State and all the prime time games, um, you know, Notre Dame has had. He's he's had his um, you know quite a few highlight plays for a lot of college football fans to see. So he will definitely be in the conversation as one of the top tight ends if he does return. So I think that just you know works for him and it kind of works for, um, you know, what, what he's working for uh, in an Irish uniform. I, I'd like to see, you know, Mitchell Evans return. Joe Walt, no brainer. Go, bro. Go, go get drafted, man. Uh, Blake Fisher, same with you. Consistency. It just hasn't been there. You've had the hype. Um, I think he's still going to be an outstanding tackle for us, but you need to have an extra, you know, year uh, of tape to show that you're really, you know, mastering your craft, as you could say, with, um, you know, and it's actually an interesting thing, Nick. I, I was thinking this, like, you know, with Joe Walt being gone, does he move to the other side of tackle? You know, does, yeah. you know, does he want to, because I know that left side, that left tackle position uh, can get paid a little bit more, um, you know, obviously at the at the NFL level. So does he want to test it out where, you know, that Joe Walt's gone, does, does he want to move over to the other side and, and test out how how he'll do there, and maybe that will increase his his draft stock if he dominates in, in that position. But you know, those are things that Rudolph needs to figure out. But I think it's pretty easily, uh, or I think it's pretty. I don't want to say definite, but I, I think Blake kind of knows that that he needs another year under his belt. And then Zeke Carell, I don't see the NFL stock there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Notre Dame talks to him about maybe moving on and because I know they're pretty high on some other offensive line guys coming up through the pipeline. You know, is it, is it time for, you know, Notre Dame and, and Zeke to kind of shake hands? Thanks for all you've done. But, you know, we can't, you know, basically solidify your center spot next year. You know, you're going to something that you're going to have to battle for. And does Zeke want to go through that, um, you know, another off season with that kind of unknown in the air? Yeah, I think that's well said. I, I'm with you on those. And then the last two that, um, uh, we can bring up here uh, Chris Tyree and Audric Estime. Uh, to me, Audric Estime is a no-brainer. I, I mean, with, with the shelf life of running backs, um, not only in college but in the NFL too, 
uh, you got to cash in. You, you got to go early. So uh, estimate's got to go. And, and I've seen some some things out there that, um, you know, NFL scouts and uh, people that do projections on that, they have them in the top three running backs. So, I mean, go. Yeah. Go. Estimate's got to go. Got to go. Yeah. Uh, Chris Tyree. Um, got to yes. come back in my opinion. Yeah. I, I feel like he's, he has exceeded my expectations by far at wide receiver. I was a little bit skeptical on, on how he would do. Um, but it, it's not a complete, uh, he hasn't completed his game at wide receiver yet. So I think if he comes back another year and continues to build on what he's already, uh, done this year, man. I, I think he could rise up and, and find himself being drafted. So, what do you think about SMA, this? SMA, no brainer. Fully agree. Get out of here. Go get drafted, young man. I uh, hope you ball out in the NFL. Um, but Chris Tyree, okay, this is the one where I think Notre Dame needs to do his biggest sell job. Chancey Stuckey, Marcus Freeman, uh, you know, every Jared Parker need to sit down with Chris Tyree saying that you are in need and you are going to be highlighted in our offense for 2024. Um, and I hope Tyree feels feels the same way, because I know it's hard to convince a young man to maybe say, hey, do I want to do another year of football? Uh, is it time for me to move on? But I, I think this wide receiver room is, is, is in such a need to have guys stay um, that have been contributing. Um, and having Chris Tyree as that kind of leader in that unit room um, would pay huge – dividends for the Irish moving forward to the 2024 year. Uh, I think he can be, you know, keep evolving himself as a wide receiver and getting more film of him, or he can even maybe improve his draft stock. But this has to be the biggest sell job because I 100% believe Notre Dame is going to be looking for a, a portal wide receiver uh, once the season ends. And, you know, Chris Tyree will obviously help help that room if he stays as well. So, um I, I, as anyone that I can circle as someone that we need to bring back um, or do the biggest sell job is Chris Tyree. Yeah, very well said, man. I think uh, I, I totally agree with both of those points. Um, so that's going to do it for segment one. Uh, segment two coming up, we are going to talk some uh, college football away from Notre Dame. So USC goes down again. I think the Irish uh, broke the Trojans. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Michigan, you know, and uh, all their uh, their sign stealing and, and all that stuff. And, uh, and then, of course, we'll answer your guys' questions. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back with segment two. Welcome back to the First and Gold podcast, segment two. We have some other college football news. Uh, we've talked about Notre Dame, but because we had a bye week this past weekend, we got to watch some other teams. And the first one I want to start with is the Trojans lose again. Oh, the Irish have, have the, I hate to see it. The Irish have broken Mr. Williams and Mr. Riley and the entire USC football program. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking that to my grave, man. They are falling apart right now. They lost. They got obliterated by Notre Dame. They followed that up with their third straight loss to Utah, and now all of a sudden Lincoln Riley's not going to interviews. Uh, <laughs> problems are coming up, man, and, and I'm here for it. Did you get a chance to watch that game against Utah? 
I did not watch the game, but I, I watched the highlights and, you know, I, I think, you know, Lincoln Riley is at a point right now where he, he's going to have to make some tough decisions, whether it's personnel-wise with his coaching staff, but they are just lacking an identity. And I think it's become – and I, I'm making just, you know, some theories here. I'm just projecting some of my theories. But, you know, with the, with the transfer NIL thing, you know, and, you know, obviously when you play some of these tough programs – you can't win at a consistent level, you know, with just flash and dash on the offensive side of the ball without some substance to your football program, some physicality, toughness. Um, you know, it's eventually going to run out. And it it's, it's kind of makes me grin ear to ear seeing that kind of happen uh, the last two weeks where they haven't played up to, um, you know, the physical – standards of college football showing the substance of winning the line of scrimmage and I think it's kind of put you know the whole USC program on notice and usually when that happens it's a good thing for Notre Dame recruiting wise yeah no I think that's that's a good point and that I'm going to echo some of those thoughts Uh, you know I feel like they're so dependent on on Caleb and I, I feel like they've neglected some of their other areas 100%. 100%. And, you know, I, I feel I feel like things are starting to unravel a little bit. And when you have egos and you have a culture like they have out there uh, in L.A., you know, first sign of uh, adversity, sometimes those dudes can't handle it. And, and we're seeing those clips of Caleb Williams on the sideline yelling at, you know, teammates and, and coaches and now – Lincoln Riley's saying he's under the weather and can't make it to this or that. And I mean, it's just, it it all to me points to a a program that yes, is very talented and and should be able to beat damn near any team that you put up against them. But to me, that's showing the culture that that's, that's showing issues in the locker room. And uh, I'm like, I kind of love to see it. So. No, I, I think it's a good thing for the Irish to see that kind of turmoil or I just say skepticism uh, regarding the USC program at this time. And, you know, we all kind of had our speculation when, you know, Lincoln Riley was going to the portal and grabbing players. But we know you can do the NIL portal thing and grab, you know, a player to here to help this room player here and player here. But when you try to you know, obviously just fix glaring holes by, you know, one-year guys and a guy here, you know, it puts your program pretty vulnerable to not have, um, I would say, the depth that, you know, you really need in college football. And, you know, you're, you're lacking that identity to, to your program. It can't just be the, the, the absolute, you know, you know, Caleb Williams, you know, the high level that he plays at. You can't just rely on that week to week. And, uh, I think yeah. it, I think it's putting you know people you know Notre Dame fans not just Notre Dame fans but college football fans have noticed that you know maybe this isn't a sustainable way to to run a program and maybe that keeps people run, uh, going to USC um, and maybe even future recruits so I, I think it's always a, a good thing to see USC on a down downhill trajectory right now I think that always plays for the Irish no doubt man I know some people will be like well. You know, we, we beat USC. We, we want them to keep winning. I I can't. I can't no, do it. No, man. Can't do not, it. not with the Trojans. Like, 
I, I love to see him struggling and, and uh, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see if Lincoln Riley yeah. pulls a peak well and, and bounce, tries to bounce to the NFL. And, and uh, let's be honest. We were, we were never going to hang our hat on, on beating. I mean, we did beat the brakes off them, but it wasn't like, you know, we're going to be in the college football playoff discussion and say, Hey, we beat USC. You know, I, right. I, that wasn't going to be the one that was going to be the huge sell job. We had opportunities. They didn't work out our way, but, I still think there's some great opportunities for this Irish football team to get to a New Year's Six Bowl. No doubt, man. And um, one last thing uh, on on Caleb. He was coming out saying he wants partial ownership in whatever NFL team drafts him. And this was before the Notre Dame game. I mean, right now, uh, he, he's got to be hopeful that a, a team will, will still take him as high as he was going to be. So, well, there's already rumors uh, that he might just sit out. You know, people are saying he should just sit out because he's already locked up, you know, the number one QB spot for the draft. What's the point of him playing? I, I hate that talk. I, I really do. It's terrible. But, yeah, I hate it too. But, you know, that's he's kind of already kind of, you know, gone down that path. And it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for the Trojans. And I think Lincoln Riley's in a tough spot right now to try to get. Um, a heartbeat going back for that program where we thought the same for Marcus Freeman. He had a big response, um, you know, yep. versus USC. Uh, so that's what I love to see. Go Marcus. <laughs> yep. Yep. Thank God we have Marcus, man. Yep. Uh, and speaking of being thankful for having uh, Marcus Freeman, uh, let's be thankful we're not in uh, the same position that Michigan is currently Ooh. in. Uh, uh, Michigan is making tons and tons of headlines, and I know they're not on our schedule, but uh, <laughs> if I know Irish fans, um, we're not the biggest fans of uh, the Wolverines. It's so, 100% uh, an important program for us to keep eyes on because we battle them for a lot of recruits. So I, I think it's very yes. important. Yes. So uh, Michigan right now, um, a, a lot of investigations, a lot of talk. Uh, about how you know they had staffers uh, trying to steal signs of, of future opponents going to games, recording those signs, having uh, laminated uh, cards on the sidelines, uh, both offense and defensive coordinators standing right next to this dude, uh, watching across the field uh, to see what, what signals they have coming in, and then adjusting their play calls. I mean, uh, l l let me be clear. I You know, as a when I coached high school football, yes, we would glance across the field and you know maybe see what what calls they're signaling in and you know you you try to use it to an advantage, but we were never going to games and recording these dudes and and printing out laminated sheets with their signals. To me, this is is approaching that territory where you're you're really messing with the integrity of the game. I, so again, I, you know, I will wait and see what all comes out uh, in, in the investigation, but this is something that um, I don't know. It, it's not a good look for Michigan. It's not, it's not good for college football. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on it, Joe? I I'm right there with you, Nick. Uh, the, there seemed to be a lot of damning evidence kind of coming out on Twitter uh, that, that make Michigan look like a pretty guilty party. It'll be interesting to see how Michigan and Harbaugh play, how associated they are to, you know, this um, signal or sign-stealing scheme. 
Um, I'm sure they'll try to separate themselves from Connor Stallions as much as possible. And Connor Stallions obviously being the, the ex-Marine, I believe, um, that, that's been going to these other games and, and dissecting other people's signal calls and obviously providing, like you said, Nick, a laminated, you know, pretty much hand signal versions on this play sheet. So, you know, defensive coordinators can uh, know what, what, you know, calls are coming in from the offense. And it kills the integrity of the game. I, I love that you said that. It's, it's, it's when you start bringing in like video evidence and, and kind of, you know, going above and beyond, um, that hurts the game. It just hurts the game. And the yeah. reason why this is illegal, so everyone knows, is because, you know, not every college football program has the resources to do this, right? Um, and also, I just think it's just an overall good rule to, you know, make sure that. You know, it, it's about scheme and game planning, not just about, you know, seeing people's operations and stealing signs, you know, and, uh, yep. you know, it's about the game plan, the execution, knowing the game plan and, 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 you know, going throughout the practice week, you know, executing that game or perfecting that game plan and then executing it on Saturdays. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I I'm more... Nick, this is where I'm at. I'm just, I'm really interested to see how the NCA handles this. I, because the NCA, you just never know. You never know. This could be two years or three years until we get you know, a resolution on this. It could be two weeks from now. And then the, the harshness of the penalty, I do believe there's going to be some sort of uh, punishment attached to this because the evidence just looks to be there. It's all over Twitter. You know, how severe is this going to be? Is this going to be immediate? Are they going to be bowl eligible this year? Is this going to be just on Harbaugh and his coaching staff? It's uh, The NCAA is in a tough spot because this is something we haven't seen before. And I'm more interested, are they going to take scholarships away? I mean, for, for Reggie Bush at USC, I think they paid for his parents' apartment or paid for something for Reggie Bush. And, you know, they got like 30 scholarships taken away. You know, yeah. I, I feel like paying for a player's or but actually, you know, paying for a player's apartment, I understand it's against the rules, but purposely, you know, killing the integrity of a football game and purposefully, you know, going out of your way, sending uh, a particular staffer to, you know, videotape opposing um, or opponent sidelines so you can dissect their play calls. It's, it, it gives me a bad taste in my mouth. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how this all lays out. Yeah, I think you brought up a lot of good points there. And, you know, th there are certain things in a game that, that are fair. You know, like while the game's happening, if if you can pinpoint, if you can look across the field and pinpoint certain coaches' signals, you know, part of that is on them by not having, you know, the proper disguises. But when you go out of your way to attend all their other games and, and videotape, and 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 do all that sort of premeditated stuff that's to me where it crosses the line from um just you know I, i'm trying to find the right words yeah. it, to me that's where it crosses the line of just trying to get a, an advantage in a game yes to downright cheating it reminds me so, of like the houston astros it, it kind yeah, of does. I mean, exactly. I understand if you get a guy on second and he can signal to the batter, you know, what, you know, 
pitch maybe coming because that's kind of part of baseball game. If you get to second, you know, right. pitchers have to, you know, basically be aware and catchers have to be aware that, you know, that guy on second may be signaling to the batter if it's going to be inside or outside, et cetera. But that's part of the game. But when you're using electronics and videotaping to gain a competitive advantage against your opponent and you're hitting trash cans on the side to let them know it's a curveball, yeah. you know, that seems like kind of in a football way what Michigan was doing. They were, you know, filming them without them knowing, right? Their, their sideline, um, how we want to say, sideline execution was and finding out ways yeah. to say, hey, this is going to be a run play, this is going to be a pass play, and then putting their defense in the best position to to execute against that game plan. So uh, that's that's a huge competitive advantage that not other college football player uh, teams, first of all, have uh, availability or access to. And again, it's just it kills the whole premise of of the game we love. You know, it just you know it's about game planning. It's about building a game plan with your guys and executing that game plan against you know, the film that you see, not just finding out if it's a run or a pass play and what covers they may be in because because you sent a Marine over to the Indiana-Purdue game, um, you know, two weeks ago. Right. I, you know, I, I, I listened to Colin Coward, and, you know, he was talking about how uh, if this wasn't Michigan, if it was, say, like, I think he said, like, Purdue or, or a smaller level school doing this, nobody would care. And I disagree with really? that. Like, I'm, I'm going to push back on this. Well, okay. Let me finish my point yeah. first. Cause, cause here's my thing. When you start opening this Pandora's box where I, I don't care what level you're on, but when you're using university funds and you can't tell me like the guy, they say he was only making 55 K, but he's going to all these games or he's, giving tickets to somebody else to go these to these games you're using university funds to cheat I, I don't care who it is you have it has to be a big deal or, or else again the integrity of the sport is going to be compromised that so to me anytime something like this happens you have to have to put a stop to it and honestly in my opinion, the, the way you fix this is you let college football quarterbacks have the microphone and the helmet, just like in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So that way the coach can go ahead and tell the quarterback to play and he can relay it to the other players in the huddle. Uh, to me, there's, Preach. there's no reason why the NFL can do that, but, but colleges can't, I don't know. What do you think? Go, go ahead with your point. No, I, you're a hundred percent right with that last part. This, you know, we, you know, college football shouldn't be a step behind the NFL for this long. This is an easy thing that we can fix by, you know, first of all, it helps NFL or quarterbacks get to the NFL level by, you know, having this part of their game plan rather than looking to a sideline. You know, we can adapt our, our, our game that we love. NCA can adapt the game that brings them millions and millions of dollars to make it the top notch quality that it can. And I think providing, you know, headsets into, you know, quarterbacks, um, you know, helmets is uh, is almost like a no-brainer thing that you know NCA should do next season. I think it should be implemented. I wish it would be implemented tomorrow, but I do see that being a, a quick fix for the NCA on this issue. Here's where I push back. I think this is why it's a bigger story is because it is the University of Michigan. Um, 
is because of the the prowess they kind of were able to build the last couple years. So they've been doing it the last two years. This is the third year that they've supposedly been doing this. Um, so since 2021, and if you look back, those are the two years where, you know, Michigan got this monkey off their back of, you know, not being able to beat Ohio State. They had that long streak where Ohio State was their daddy. And, you know, now that you could say, now that we're finding evidence that, you know, they've been maybe using, you know, the sign stealing to gain a competitive advantage over their opponent, you know, that's huge. I mean, that's a storyline. That's drama. You know, that's why I think it's such a big deal. You know, Michigan gets back to the college football playoff. I thought Michigan was going to be dead when, you know, Jim Harbaugh was rumored to go to the Minnesota Vikings and, you know, basically the Minnesota Vikings. And he told his staffers, yeah, go ahead, go, um, you know, start looking for other jobs because I'm flying to Minnesota uh, tomorrow and going to be taking that job. Well, that didn't work out for you, Jim, you know, and I thought, you know, the absolute explosion or, you know, they would absolutely implode there. Um, you know, basically when Jim had to put his tail uh, between his legs and go back to Ann Arbor, I thought that would kill his recruitment. I thought it would kill his loyalty to, to his staffers. But then all of a sudden this resurgence of Michigan football just kind of came out of nowhere. And now that you're giving college football, um, you know, a narrative that they may have been cheating. Hell yes. There, this is, this is a big, big, big time story. And, you know, Michigan's success the last couple of years plays into this big time. No, I, I think that's a good point. And I, I think more my point was, so you, you brought up the success that Michigan had from this. I think my point was more like, to me, I took Colin Coward's point as like, it's just because it's Michigan in their big game. I If it was Purdue and they had all of a sudden been winning, it still would have been a big that's story. Fair. That, yeah. that, that's my only point. But I, I agree with what you're saying. No doubt. Yeah, I just think it plays into, again, just the college football drama and, you know, Jim Harbaugh being kind of a, a college football figure that is a little bit quirky and, you know, Michigan being able to, you know, beat Ohio State the last couple of years that they haven't been able to do in decades. Uh, it just plays into that, you know, entire, uh, I would say, storyline that Michigan has built up for itself. And now that they have this narrative no that, you know, they may have been cheating with this sign stealing. And again, we don't know all the facts, but whew, this is a doozy. I, I'm just so interested in, you know, as a Notre Dame fan, I hope Notre Dame has some serious ramifications for this, um, mostly on the recruiting trail that that we could kind of play play for the Irish. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. And we'll see what the NCAA does. I mean, that this will. Re- I mean, we already know the NCAA doesn't really have a backbone, but. I feel like they're being put in a position here where they've got to do something. You know, yes. they, they, they have to. So we'll see, man. It, it'll be interesting. And then just like we brought up with Lincoln Riley, we'll see if Harbaugh pulls a uh, Pete Carroll and gets the heck out of Dodge <laughs> while things are bad. So. No, no. Uh, but yeah. So, all right. Um, let's go ahead and, and uh, jump into questions and then, then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, so well, one thing I want to plug in um, before we get into questions is, you know, next week I'm very excited. I know, Nick, you're excited too. Obviously, the Notre Dame's not going to be in this discussion, but the first college football playoff rankings come out next Tuesday. 
typically Nick and I, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you and I are recording during this time. So this is going to be Halloween night. Um, I'm not sure what our availability, but I'm sure we'll be talking about, you know, the four teams that, you know, ESPN and, or actually I say the, the selection committee puts in, in the top four and who are the, the last two out. Uh, I'm very interested to see how, you know, this weekend plays out and, and see who college football selection committee kind of has ahead of who. Um, there's always usually some surprises there. So, um, and, yeah. and, and again, don't no, the Michigan storyline, does Michigan get kind of hurt with, you know, obviously the no. allegations going on now? I, I'm just so curious. That, that's a great point, man. I mean, <laughs> what's the committee? How, how's the committee going to react to all this? I mean, ooh, yeah, I, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it. Like, I, I knew Michigan, you know, obviously they're – They haven't played anybody, dude. Right they haven't played anybody. So, I wonder if they're going to no. get docked because the guys – you know, I think they're ranked two right now, right? Two or one. Um, Georgia's one. Yeah. They're two probably. Um, you know, but they haven't played anyone. I don't think they played a ranked opponent. And the guy and the teams behind them have. So I wonder if the selection committee puts yeah. that into consideration as maybe, you know, maybe. I, I honestly would not be shocked if I know how Michigan's looked and they played really well, yada, yada, yada. But they have. They've looked good. But. I will say it will be interesting if, you know, the selection committee is a little spited from these allegations uh, or a little spiteful with these allegations and say, Michigan, you got to prove it versus Penn State or Ohio State before we put you into this top four bad boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, man. I, it, it'll be very interesting. And, and whether we record, if, if we record before their release, we'll definitely be talking about it and, and giving our predictions or, if we record after, I mean, we'll definitely be talking about it uh, as well. So I, it will be interesting. I, that, that's a really good point that I hadn't really considered is, you know, how the committee is going to uh, react to to all this news. So, yeah, it's a good point, man. It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. It will be. It will be. So I'll jump into questions now. And, again, I appreciate everyone's support and, and sending us their, their Twitter questions for our mailbag. Um, we really, again – Appreciate the support. Appreciate the question. These are always fun for, for Nick and I to dive into. So the first question is from a, a, a loyal fan of ours, Clutch Sports Notre Dame. Uh, his Twitter is at Clutch Sports ND. He asks, will Dracovic attempt to pass just to get picked off one last time at ND? <laughs> <laughs> he, I love he it. He follows it up with, what are your expectations and what do you hope to see out of the offense coming off the bye week? Nick, I'll let you take it. Uh, so first off clutch, man, you're the man, uh, great follow on Twitter. If, if you guys are not already following, but uh, yes, um, I, God, I hope Jerkovic, uh, attempts at least one pass, man. I, wh whether we get a pick or whether we get to sack that dude, man, whatever it is. And, and I can already tell you this, he's, he's going to get a not so warm welcome when, uh, when he runs <laughs> out of that. Tunnel, uh, in South Bend. Of course, I don't even know if he's on the travel roster. Like, I know he's playing tight end now. Um, so I, I forgot about that. I forgot yeah, about yeah. That. He, oh, yeah. He's lining up. Uh, he's Pitts. He's Narduzzi's version of Mitchell Evans, <laughs> I guess. So uh, we'll see how that works out oh, for man. him. Uh, but yeah, so to answer that first one, I hope so, man. Um, but uh, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, Hopefully, watch him lose, and maybe they'll uh, make him available to the media after. Uh, as far as expectations um, and what I hope to see out of the offense, 
Man, um, kind of like we touched on in segment one, the, this is a big week for Jared Parker. Um, and it's a big week for Sam Hartman. I I really think that, you know, like other teams, they're, they're going to sell out to stop the run, stop the running mm-hmm. game. So, you know, I, I really want to see the offense focus on, you know, get getting Hartman comfortable early, uh, you know, with some – some quick passes, some easy passes, you know, get his rhythm going, get his confidence going, uh, and then take some deep shots downfield as it, as the game progresses. Um, but I, I don't want to see, even if they are loading the box, I, I don't want to see him abandon the run game, which they won't. Um, but overall, my expectations, what I hope to see, I just want to see a crisp performance. I want to see a little bit of creativity, uh, and I really, really want to see the offensive line play well. Um, Joe, what about you? Nick, I, this is like you, you were, you know, hinting at, I think this is a shut up the critics, shut up the critics game for, for Jared Parker. This is the opportunity yep. for you to shut up the haters. Um, you know, really kind of show not just the fan base, but Marcus Freeman, um, that, that you're the guy for the job because I think there's a ton of speculation on on whether you're the guy moving forward. Um, you know, the offense hasn't played its A-plus game, or I guess, you know, their, their A game. I guess you could say they probably play their A game against inferior opponents, but, you know, you make your, your money against, you know, the top dogs and against, you know, the top competition that, that we play on a consistent basis, and we haven't seen it from the offense. So, my expectation, you know, for this game is Jared Parker. This has to be a B-plus or better performance. You can't accept B. You can't no. accept B-minus. It definitely can't be anything C or below um, because you're going to be in a, in a tough spot. And you had a bye week to prepare and game plan to get the offense right. Um, you know, Nick, I know I've made, you know, a ton of, um, I wouldn't say excuses, but you've, you've definitely had, you know, not a full deck of cars to play with um, from previous weeks due to injuries and offensive line shuffle. Yeah. But uh, I've kind of, I, I gave you those already. It's, it's time to, you know, put up or shut up sort of thing for, for Jared Parker in the office to perform at a high level uh, this week. And I, I truly do think they'll, they'll come, they'll come ready to play. I think it's going to be a fun game for, for the Irish offense. Hopefully, I'm just – I'm probably being too optimistic, Nick. I, the bye week's got me all razzled. Yeah. You know, I, I'm drinking hey. Kool-Aid again. <laughs> it's almost like we're still in the college football playoff. I love I'm it. It's like I'm going to enjoy Sam Hartman. Yeah. This team's going to come out firing, and, and I hope that comes comes to uh, comes to play on Saturday. No, I think that's that's <laughs> well said. And I, I think you're, you're going to be right, man. I, I I'm. It seems like I'm always drinking the Kool Aid too, so I'm right. I know. There. I think with the with the off week, it just kind of made me get all the negative thoughts. I, I've been thinking about the yeah. offense out of my mind, so now I'm fully back yep. into you know we're just going to kick everyone's ass, you know, the remaining part of the year. So, um, I love this job. I love it. <laughs> Trust me. Once Saturday we kick off and we go three and out, I'm going. I'm, I'm jumping <laughs> off the ship. You know. Firing out my. Ooh, we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be in our group chat complaining, oh, yes. you know, right there first drive. What? Like, get them out of I South Bend. It. No, no, no. Obviously, yeah. obviously, I, I would never call for anyone's, but this is a big opportunity for Jared Parker for sure. Um, no so C Dub has the next question. Appreciate the question. His at is 
at willic01. Can we frame someone from OSU for signing? Or wait, can we frame someone from OSU for sign stealing so they have to vacate their win over us? Honestly, man, like I would, I would be pissed if Ohio State did that for sure. But I just want to beat them fair and square, man. I don't want to have anything as you know they had this, they had that. I, I just want to beat them outright. And man, I would love, you know, an opportunity to play those those guys again. And it sucks they're not on our schedule next year, but. Um, that's how I feel about it, Nick. What about you? Yeah, man. No, I, I'm all for it. Let's <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, uh, no, I wish we could go back in time and just uh, get 11 dudes on yeah. the because uh, I think we win that game. So that, that's all we need. No, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I saw a rumor. Again, this is Twitter, so it's like, you know, but I, I saw something that they're looking into Ohio State for the same thing. No way. It's, that probably well yeah it, it's probably very premature and probably bold. Well, did you watch uh, did you yeah. watch the Penn State Ohio State game yeah it brutal. Was brutal and I'm just I was just sitting there during the Ohio State Penn State game that's the first game I watched on Saturday having having our own bye week and I was just watching like we should have beat these dudes what the hell dude we like we, what were we doing like we Sam Hartman just extend that football just a couple more inches you know, when you're getting that first down, if we could just hit that field goal in the first half, you know, and it's like, I I was just sitting there like, I was like, we are better than this team. We are a hundred percent better, but uh, all right. Now I'm getting sad. Nick. I know. I know. We we can't be, (laughs) we got to keep the Kool-Aid up, man. We can't. Oh man. The highs and lows hit me quick here. (laughs) 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 All right. I'll go to the next question, but Steve Dub, appreciate it, man. This is from Irish fan, and uh, I'm going to absolutely botch this, but it's at D D Nicola Mike D Nicola Mike. Um, sorry if I if I didn't say that correctly. I'm pretty bad at uh, name pronunciations, but he says this is more of a statement: kick their effing ass, play big boy football on Saturday. Couldn't agree more. Irish fans drinking the yes. Kool-Aid with us. We're, we're, we're going to kick some effing ass this weekend. Uh, and we are going to play big boy football. I, you know, uh, not not to backtrack here, but, you know, people were like, well, Irish fans are too worried about Caleb Williams and his nails and this and that. Nana Osafa Mensa came out and said that they remembered what happened last year. Mm-hmm. They remembered what that offense did to the defense, and they remembered what he's painting on his nails. So they they hear this stuff. They they hear what Narduzzi's saying. They hear what they know what Jerkovic said. They're gonna come out and they are gonna kick some f and ass. And I I love the statement, man. They're gonna play big boy football, and I I'm here for it. Preach. I I, God, I I'm just I. It's such a great opportunity for football. We we have the bye. We get healthy. Get right. And, and let's just impose our will on an opponent. And sorry, Pittsburgh, you just happen to be that opponent. So yeah, um, yeah. we have our last question here. And this is from another uh, loyal fan, Luke Luke Elshoff. I appreciate it, man. Uh, follow him at McChuckles419. I know he's been involved in our Twitter spaces too. So appreciate it, Luke. Um, he asks, if Notre Dame loses but scores six offensive touchdowns, who will the fan base have on the hot seat next week? Luke, this is a funny question because it does seem like we go to it. extreme levels. If one side of the ball doesn't play well, 
we're we're calling for for them to get to get fired. That's just <laughs> that's just a Notre Dame tradition that has lived with all of us. It feels like the last decade. Um, but if Notre Dame scores six offensive touchdowns, I'll tell you one thing: I will be pretty damn happy. I'll say that. What about you, Nick? <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, no. If we score six offensive touchdowns and still uh, uh, manage to lose, <laughs> they're going to be right back on the fire out golden train. I can tell you that right now. Uh, yeah. So, uh, no, I, I I don't think that'll happen. I love the question though. Um, great question. But yeah, I'm like you, man. If we, I hope we put up six offensive touchdowns. That'd be that'd be a good day. Yeah. So, it, yeah. It'll question. be a good and. You know, one thing that, you know, to kind of wrap it up is I'm excited. I, I do think this could be an opportunity for some other guys to uh, we may even see some more players get involved in, in the rotation. Um, now that you have over, you know, half the season under your belt, including fall camp, um, you know, there may be some another Bubakar Traor situation where a guy gets a little bit more opportunity um, to show himself. Yeah. And point. that's what I'm, I'm pretty excited against Pittsburgh. But again, I. I, I love your pick, Nick. I, I love to see Jadarian Price get get some more touches. As much as I love Jeremiah Love, um, you know, I, I want him touching the ball more too. But I, Jadarian, with with that special teams play, he reminded Notre Dame fans that you know he's going to be in his backfield too for the remainder of the year. Um, he's electric, and that's man. why with the estimate thing when we talked about it earlier, like, go, dude. Our our running back table is fine, man. We we got some dudes ready to ready to play. So it's not really a position um, that we need to estimate to come back, and that's why um, he's a no-brainer. But, God, I, I'm just so high on that running back room, man. I, I'm, let's just go kick some ass on, on Saturday, and I hope they can run the ball. Let's yeah. go. I'm fired up, man. Uh, well, we're talking about Kool-Aid. Yeah. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, kick their effing yeah. ass. I, I'm, I'm ready, baby. Like, uh, I wish it was Saturday. Yes, sir. So, no, I, I I'm with you, man. It'll be fun. Um, and be sure to, to catch us on Twitter spaces after the game. We'll be, we'll be there. Um, whether we win or lose, even though sometimes in the past <laughs> after a loss, it's been, it's been tough to get that Twitter space fired up, but it'll be, yeah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. So, uh, but we appreciate all you guys joining us. We appreciate the questions. Um, as always, we'll be back next week and, and of course, on Twitter spaces after the game. And um, be sure you're hitting us up on Twitter and, and socials. And uh, we love interacting. So, yeah, let, let us know your thoughts and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, everybody. And of course, go Irish. Thanks for listening, Irish fans. Please rate and review our podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at First and Cold Pod, at Nick Kramer IT, and at Joe underscore Kramer underscore IT. And don't forget to check us out at theirishtribune.com and follow us on our socials, at the Irish Tribune. Thanks for listening, and go Irish!